How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlick Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. Hey friends, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and today we're talking to my new friend, Mario Knopfel. He's the founder of the Athena Group of Companies, a business conglomerate of over 15 companies that operates in more than 40 countries. Now, Mario started his first business with $300 in the bank selling blenders door-to-door, which led to Fruithy, Australia. He propelled Fruithy to a million a year in year one and 10 million a year in year two, all bootstrapped. Since then, Mario launched multiple ventures into the millions, all bootstrapped, including an events business, a fintech consulting firm, a marketing agency, and multiple e-com businesses, all while surviving a massive scam and various black swan events and all the ups and downs of entrepreneurship over the years. As a seasoned entrepreneur outside of crypto with a business in over 30 countries, Mario's influence in crypto spans hundreds of investments as an angel investor and the founder of IBC Group and is also partnered at International Blockchain Legal and the world-renowned public speaker in both crypto and entrepreneurship. Mario's most notable achievement in his position uh, is in his position as the co-founder and the CEO of NFT Technologies, a portfolio company soon to be listed on the stock market in Canada under the ticker NFT. NFT Tech will play a major role in growing the NFT and metaverse spaces. You're not going to want to miss this episode if you want to understand the future of the metaverse, blockchain, and NFTs. We're going to dig into what blockchain, Web 3.0, and NFTs actually are, and then the big mistakes that people make when trying to understand them. Uh, We're going to talk about and define the metaverse and why it's such an exciting space for entrepreneurs right now. We'll dig into how to get involved in investing in NFTs in the metaverse, and we'll talk about the single most important lesson that Mario learned to help him make millions and live a life that he only dreamed was possible. Don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you never miss on any great episodes. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com or amazon.com to grab your copy of the number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, the book available now. All right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer. Today, we've got my new friend, Mario Nafal on the call. Mario, welcome to the show. Sup, man? How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. So for everybody who doesn't know you, I'd love to give them a little bit of a background uh, on you and how you got to where you are with NFT Tech, uh, with uh, with all your companies, actually, because you're not just uh, you're not just a uh, an NFT guy. You've got a, a lot of experience. So I'd love to just hear your story of how you started in door-to-door sales and kind of worked your way up to where you are now real quickly, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, man. Uh, I'll keep it short so that the because I know the audience just wants to, to you know what's in it for me. So I'll try to keep it focused on that. <laughs> I I started the business. Um, so I was doing banking and finance. Dropped out after I found out about the concept of entrepreneurship and that you can actually get rich at a young age without you know finishing college. Uh, I was in Australia, so I had you know three hundred Australian dollars in the bank um, and started door knocking, selling anything I can get my hands on. Eventually, started selling blenders and juicers and started doing well. Launched my first business called Fruity is an e-commerce business, did extremely well, got to seven figures year one, eight figures year two, and now it's in over 30 countries. I don't manage the business. I haven't touched it for years. I just have like, you know, quarterly calls with the board, uh, but it's a, it's a global e-commerce business does extremely well. So that's, that's amazing. How, how old were you when you did that? 20, 21, 21, I think. Wow. Um, and then after that, I got into crypto. So I did a few things, events, et cetera. In the meantime, I've got another business called HeyChex, also e-com, but it doesn't matter. What matters is crypto. So I got into crypto in 2017. IBC is the company that I founded, still exists today. It's one of the biggest incubators and accelerators in the crypto space called IBC Group, International Blockchain Consulting. Um, does extremely well. Um, you know, I love that company. I stepped down from IBC last year. Um, uh, so I, I'm still the majority shareholder. Um, I'm a partner at International Blockchain Legal, which is a crypto law firm. But now I stepped down from IBC to become uh, CEO and I'm the co-founder of NFT Tech or NFT Technologies. So that's nfttech.com, uh, which is a company, uh, you can look at it as a, as a portfolio and IP company that gives exposure to retail investors for the NFT space. So anyone that wants to get into the NFT space that doesn't understand it, which is most people which by is, far. Which is pretty much everybody, yeah. <laughs> including people in crypto, man. I promise you, everyone, if I define NFTs for people, they'll be shocked. They'll be like, holy shit. I had no idea. Now it makes sense. And then we give yeah. exposure to the, so we're looking at going public on listing on the stock market. And um, uh, that's what we're working towards. And when we do list, uh, we're hoping in a couple of months, we'll give exposure to the retail investors, to the market by just buying our stock on the share market. I love that. That's, that's amazing stuff, man. Um, let's, let's do that. Let's educate the audience though, a little bit on, on crypto, on blockchain, kind of the stepping stones and then go into NFTs as well. I think that'd be really powerful. Um, so tell me, you know, tell me crypto, what is we, everybody's hearing it. Uh, I've, you know, I'm investing in crypto. I'm investing in NFTs. I'm doing this stuff, but that's because I'm privy to a lot of the education that most people are not privy to. And I'd love for you, if you could just explain, you know, maybe crypto and blockchain and then NFTs as, as simply as possible. Yeah. I'll keep it very, very simple. Um, blockchain is what makes everything possible. The same way the yeah. internet made everything, we, you know, we made this possible. So blockchain, blockchain so, is a technology. Exactly. That's yeah. it's, it's as simple as that. It's a technological evolution. It's like the evolution of the web or what we call web 3.0. So we had one web 1.0, which is the, the one-way transfer of information. So that's yep. where Google popped up, where web was used as a replacement for the library. Again, I don't know how old you are. Anyone that's been around for a while in the early days, that's what the web was, the World Wide Web. Yep. And you know, it had all these different terms used, like the information superhighway and stuff. Back so when we had 56K dial-up modems and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Deep, that, that sound. <laughs> um, and, then, and then Web 2.0 was two-way interaction, was social. That's where social emerged. And that's where you know, uh, uh, Meta or, or Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram, et cetera, popped up, TikTok. Now, Web 3.0 is where blockchain came into the picture. And blockchain essentially allows the transfer of value on the web. Yeah. So before 2017, you couldn't transfer value without having a third party in the middle. So if I wanted to send you a video, 
you would have a platform like WeTransfer move that video from one party to another. Um, you had YouTube make sure that the IP of the video is protected. You had a bank make sure your money is there and the bank had the swift system to move money from one place to another to make sure money was not copied on the World Wide Web because it's very easy to, yeah. to, to, to copy. And, you know, they had, you had the double spend problem. But, if, but without getting into technicalities, blockchain allowed for the transfer of value. It's like a, a decentralized ledger um, where everything is transparent. You can see all transactions on there. Yeah. It's like an order book for all transactions, all transactions of value on the web. That's what the blockchain is. Um, if you want to describe it, and, and no, no longer the need of an intermediary like a bank to to be the one that's kind of keeping an eye over it. The big thing in Web 3.0 is the disintermediation, disintermediation, disintermediation. I'm saying it wrong, mispronouncing it. I always do, but there's no more intermediaries. That's the end goal. So there's no more intermediaries, or that's what the the end goal is. Now, that's where the concept of NFTs comes in, which is probably the most exciting aspect of, of blockchain, at least in my opinion. Yeah. So you've got NFTs and DeFi, which they intertwine a lot. So NFTs is, is, is for me, is extremely fascinating. It's the ability to have a unique, to have ownership on the web. Yeah. So as I said before, you know, YouTube would say you own this video. A bank says you own that money. Instagram says you own that photo. If someone copied it, Instagram doesn't allow them. A game says you own that gun or that, that spaceship. There's third parties in the middle that says who owns what. Okay? Yeah. Now that is no longer needed. In the physical world, I own this little device. I own these headphones. No one says I own them. There's no paperwork. There's no governmental body that they're says sitting, They're sitting in your copies. physical space, so it's assumed. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I own this as well. So if something's in my pocket or in my house or in my car, generally I own it, okay? Yeah. Or in my vault or whatever, on my property. Now, on the web that didn't exist, you couldn't actually own something if there wasn't a third party that said you owned it. Now, that's where NFTs came in. NFTs are not just art and collectibles. NFTs are the ability NFTs to aren't own just something a, a, on the web. a pixelated picture of a chimp or a monkey? Exactly. <laughs> uh, or, or those yeah, pixelated crypto punks or like these, yeah. these board apes. That's like the tip of the iceberg. That's, yeah. It's like saying... You know, if you look at the concept of ownership in the physical world, I'm sure, you know, me and you own a lot of stuff, but yeah. I'm, I don't own any collectibles. I don't own any art. I think I have a painting there. I don't know what the hell it is. It's just hiding something in the back, you know, some electric, electrical cables. I don't have any art. I don't care about art or collectibles. So in the physical world, arts and collectibles represent a fraction of everything we own as, yeah. as a species. Why now in the digital world, everyone's only excited about art and collectibles? But if you, if you really think about it, it's not even a tip of the iceberg. It's like a small portion of what we're going to own. Because now you can own anything online. You can own um, your identity online. You can own any asset you have in the physical world. You can have a digital representation of that asset. You can have a financial instrument. You can have assets within the metaverse. You can have in-game assets, um, you know, clothing in the metaverse. Anything that you own in the physical world, you can essentially replicate it in the digital world. And that's where the metaverse comes in. Did you want me to also define the metaverse? I would, I would love for you. Let's, let's go there, man. Let's dig into the metaverse too. Yeah, talk All to right. me. So, so this is where everyone's going to get really excited. Now, before I define the metaverse, I just want to tell everyone, I'm a very pragmatic, very pragmatic person. Like I have no emotional attachment to the metaverse. Um, I have businesses outside of crypto, so I'm not biased. This is purely an objective Definition of what this what 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 it what it what it what it entails and what to expect in the next decade. 
So I said that the that NFTs allow for digital ownership. The metaverse is essentially a digital representation of the physical world we live in today. That's part one of the definition, which is the, 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 the main one. If a digital representation of the physical world we live in today. So in the physical world, what do we do? All right, we, we socialize. We build emotional relationships. We signal to the world um, you know, our wealth or our identity. And we create value, and generally that's in the form of a business. Those four things, and of course we rest and entertain ourselves. Those five things are pretty much you know, a, a big portion of what we do on a day-to-day -day life with this, yeah. this thing, this game we call life, this, this thing um, we call life. So if you think about it, we're already doing a lot of this on the web. Yeah. I run all my companies on the web, on WhatsApp, on Zoom, on Gmail. Yeah. You, all you, my you companies socialize, you build relationships, you show status, and you, and you create value. And you entertain yourself. And you entertain, yeah. All these things are already being done in the web. So if you think about it, based on my definition, we're already in the metaverse. And if you think about it, we're in the metaverse right now. We're having, this is a digital representation of what they did decades ago, two years of, ago. We're kind of doing all of those things at the same time right now. So we're signaling, like, uh, uh, you know, I don't think we're signaling that much, but I'm, you know, I, uh, I have, okay, whatever. I can pretend, I pointed to my painting. I have a nice background. She says, hey, I have a nice house. I told you like, I live in Dubai with a beautiful view. That was me signaling like, hey, I have a nice life. You're yeah. signaling with what you have in the background. You have the books, you have, you know, you, you, you educate. So either way, you know, there's, we all both wear a black t-shirt because we're dope and we don't give a shit. So, so <laughs> we, we signal in different ways. We socialize earlier about what we do and who we know and, and common friends. Um, and we're having a business meeting, creating value. You know, you have a podcast as a business. I'm talking about my business. So we're doing at least three other things. And it's pretty entertaining. I don't mind podcasts and I think you enjoy it too. So we're doing four of these things. Um, so already the physical world is shifting to the digital world. So technically we live in the metaverse already. So someone that hears me now saying like, all right, Mario, there's all this hype about the metaverse. There's billions of dollars flowing into the space. There's millions being made on a daily basis. Millionaires being made on a daily basis in the space. It's crazy, crazy in the crypto metaverse space. Well, if, if it's not that special and it's existed for that long, why is everyone so excited? Well, right now we're experiencing the web 2.0 metaverse. It's a two-way form of communication. Mm -hmm. There's no sense of ownership. Um, it's, it's, and it's essential. We're, we're on a platform called Riverside.fm right now, which is a central platform. So a web 3.0 metaverse is number one, more immersive. So you got the Oculus, Oculus goggles or VR or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got Oculus in, in, in the storage room here. Um, so it's more immersive, but you know, a, a web 2.0 metaverse could also be immersive. I could put the Oculus now and use it. So what is web 3.0? What's all that excitement about? Well, I said, now you can have ownership on the web. So that means I can travel. You know, I was in Turkey three days ago. I was in Morocco a day before that. I'm going to Australia in a week and I'm going to whatever. I think I'm going back to Turkey. So wherever I go, I'm going with my suitcase, with my stuff. I'm going with my yeah. identity. So I have things that I own and I can go from country to country, from metaverse to metaverse, from country to country, owning my stuff. So imagine the same thing on the web. Imagine you go from game to game with the same assets, with the same spaceship. Imagine you buy a, a piece of clothing, a piece of Prada t-shirt, an original Prada that can be verified on the blockchain because now through an NFT, you can actually own something legitimate the same way you own legitimate items here. Imagine I'm wearing a Prada t-shirt signaling in different metaverses going from place to place with my Prada t-shirt or game to game with my spaceship or, or my identity or my, or, or my, my, 
my avatar next to me or my pet or whatever it is, all these things in the physical world that you own, you can own them in the virtual world. Imagine I move my NFT art and display them on a, in a studio that I have bought on, an, on a metaverse. So now web 3.0 metaverses allow you to own things on the web. And that's what opens up these massive opportunities for entrepreneurs. That's what opens up an entire new economy. Um, that's, you know, it's got billions flowing into it in, on a monthly basis. So, so tell me, why would somebody, why would somebody spend money in a, in a virtual world that's, you know, quote unquote, not real versus spending money on something that's real in this world? Are we, is, is our discussion right now real? It's a good question. We're having a, a discussion. We're connecting on an emotional level, like it or not. Yeah. We know a few things about one another and we've never shook our hands and I've never seen you face to face. So we're already there. It's not that we're going there. We're yeah. already there. I've got three pairs of AirPods. Let me see if I've got them here to prove it. No, I've got one here, one there, and I've got these ones as well. So I've got three pairs of AirPods, one here, two there, and these. Why, why am I pointing that out? I'm always on the freaking phone. Always. Yeah. I spend 60 to 70% of my time on my, yeah, it's about 60% of my time on my phone. So it's, it's, it already, be, it's already proven. It used to be more. It's already proven that we spend we spend more time in in a you know augmented reality or virtual reality world than we do in the real world. Instagram filters are the new makeup. <laughs> YouTube is the new TV. So there's not yeah. much more to say. Now all that we have all, all we're experiencing now is a better experience of, what, of the world we live in today. That argument of is, that, is, it, is, all that, the, is, is that is that scary from a moral and, and social standpoint to you in any way, shape, or form? Um, so it could be, okay, so that's a really good question. Now, it's important to always remember a, a, a human's cognitive bias. So humans are designed to dislike change in most cases yeah. because we're used to be comfort, you know, stay in our comfort zone because that allows us to survive. Evolutionary you know, keeps us safe from, from being eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, from going too far away from the tribe or something. Exactly. So we're designed to avoid discomfort. And, you yeah. know, there's a saying, Tim Ferriss said it, a few other people saying it, you can measure a man's success or a person's success by the amount of uncomfortable things they do in life, because that's going outside your comfort, comfort zone and opening up new doors. Now, I'm not really comfortable going, I, I wasn't comfortable going on stage and speaking in front of hundreds of people or going in a clubhouse room and speaking to 10, 20,000 people. It was well outside my comfort zone and I did it and it changed my life in many ways. So I, I, I danced bachata, I was dancing just before this interview. I traveled the world dancing bachata. I was not comfortable dancing at all. I come from a kickboxing background. So discomfort generally a good thing not always of course some uncomfortable things like war you know what we're experiencing now are not a good thing so why am i saying this well first important to remember any technological evolution will lead to initial discomfort especially uh, you know as you age you know people mm -hmm. in their 50s 60s they're less likely to want discomfort because their their brain is no longer able to change as much as it is at a younger yeah. age we're still forming so it's even more difficult for them now, there's a lot of arguments you can make on why it's not a good thing. And there's some good ones. You know, you don't exercise. You sit there becoming a potato, on a, a couch potato. Well, you know, when you're sitting there watching TV, you're a couch potato. Sitting, having a beer with friends, looking at the, at the view, at the sun, uh, it's your couch potato. Yes, in the old days, we would move more. But now with, you know, with the Oculus, I play a boxing game. I work my, I work my ass you're, off. You're, you're, you're able to work out in, the, in, the, in Web 3.0, in the metaverse, the same way. Yeah, so there's also, there will be disadvantages. You know, you can't make babies on the metaverse, at least not yet. So there was still, you know, the, the, the need to have physical interaction with people, you know, as part of for our survival. Will that be less, you know, won't be as easy to have those physical uh, connections? Yeah, potentially. But 
what happened during COVID? People's, you know, Zoom saved many people's lives. Yeah. Social media saved people's lives. Your suicide rates in multiple countries spiked up. Countries without internet, they had the highest spike in suicide rates. Uh, the countries with bigger lockdowns had worse, you know, worse, uh, yeah. the worst experience. So I can't travel to the UK right now because, you know, I have things to do here, but I can, you know, um, Australia, but I can jump on a Zoom call with my brother. Uh, I can, you know, jump on a call with my friends. You know, I've got yeah. so many employees around the world. So running my business is easier. Having one-on-one -on -one experiences with people around the world is easier. Exposing yourself to different cultures. Is it going to be uncomfortable? Yes. Is it going to be as uncomfortable as you expect? No, because it will be a very, very, very slow process where yeah. it will feel very natural. And I think, I think you know, we'll probably find an equilibrium, right? Like where it's like, you know, if you go too far into it, then you're like, whoa, I need, I need to give a real person a hug right now. But like to your point, we're seeing Maddie, my wife's from Australia. We were talking about this before we started recording. My wife's from Australia and we're seeing her mom. Her mom's staying here right now at our at our home in San Diego for the first time in two and a half years. And had we not been able to do this and do FaceTime and Zoom and WhatsApp calls and things like that, you know, it would have been a lot, lot tougher for us. So I, I love I love when you kind of focus on the, the benefits that are coming from it. And I think society itself will find that equilibrium. Yeah. And, and, and for an entrepreneur, you don't decide where the market goes. As yeah. an entrepreneur, you got you to gotta try to see where the market is going and follow that. If you don't like where the market is going, but it's an opportunity, you can avoid it for moral reasons or you don't like the, where that's heading. As long as you understand that's an opportunity being missed. Because there's, yeah. there's many flaws in crypto right now. You know, the same way there were many flaws in the internet in the early 90s. Um, humans are, you know, we will, we're designed to find solutions to problems because that's how we create value and make money. Um, so we will be solving those problems and it will take time. The earlier you come in, the better positioned you are. But societies have already evolved to a place that, you know, if we watched a video of, if, if I watch a video or let's say my father, um, you know, what I said 50 years ago, watched a video of my life today, he'd be like, holy shit, that's <laughs> scary. But yeah. now it's very natural to all of us. So if you watch a video of our life in 50 years, you watch it now, it will look scary. But it will be yeah, 50 but it years doesn't, it enough doesn't time live. to adapt. It, yeah, it doesn't go from, from today to 50 years from now. There's a, a movement, a process, yeah. I love that. Yeah, and I say, I say something always to people like, the human brain overestimates the short-term impact of innovation and underestimates the long-term potential. Like this is something, I, this is, I'm going to say this again because that's how I make, you know, with NFT tech, I have to make investment decisions um, to be able to give that exposure to the retail investors. So it's like my responsibility to know where the space is heading. And I always remind myself of this. The human brain overestimate the short-term impact of innovation, which is hype, craziness, bubbles, yep. but underestimates the long-term potential. Look at Amazon now versus 2001. So yeah. where decentralized metaverses, where Web 3.0 metaverses, the concept of ownership, NFTs and metaverses, where that will be in 50 years time is transformational in ways, will be transformational in ways we cannot comprehend now. I think, I think where, that, where that'll be in 20 years time will be you know, in ways that it's hard for us to comprehend now. But where it will be in one year's time is very little and, uh, yeah. Yeah. and won't change anything about our life. So it's important to remember this before you get caught in all this FOMO and hype and different assets. So let's, let's talk about that for, for a little bit. And uh, I want to talk about the metaverse and I want to talk about NFTs and investing and, and what you guys are doing with uh, NFT tech. Where, like, in, in, uh, whether in the metaverse or in the NFT space, where, what, what are the spaces that you're the most excited about 
Um, you know, for example, I'm actually involved in a in a record label that uh, they're using. They're essentially using NFTs to provide ownership and monetize um, artists that are in uh, underdeveloped countries like Armenia and Malawi, Africa, that are now getting exposure into these bigger markets and able to make amazing money and their fans are able to buy NFTs and tokenize some of their work to be able to be part of it as well and monetize that. So there's some really cool stuff going on in a lot of different spaces. What, what excites you the most? Okay. So I'll comment on what you mentioned and then I'll tell you what excites me the most. Yeah. So what you mentioned now is, is social arbitrage. I'll tell you yeah. what I mean by this. So for, for artists in Armenia, in the physical world, that's already very mature. Uh, you know, we've been living in this physical world for centuries. In the physical world, getting, you know, there's already centralized parties and, and um, inequality very prevalent in the physical world. For an Armenian artist to get in Hollywood is going to be very, very difficult. Very tough. Very tough. Because the space is already matured. Now, if you go move to the digital world, it's very early. So right now, it's a lot more equal because it hasn't centralized yet. Human nature of greed hasn't led to that inequality because that will take time. What does that mean? Well, it will open up the doors for the unbanked to get banked, to get access to our financial system. And I was talking to a very wealthy person that, you know, donates a, f a hell of a money to, to the needed a few weeks, two weeks ago. And he was telling me, Mario, there's people in Africa that are unbanked and they're sitting on land and houses that are worth 10, 20, 30,000 US dollars, but they have no idea how to, you know, turn that into money. And they're living a very poor life because they have no access to the bank or finance or the ability yeah. to sell their property. So um, there is a massive economy that's being completely unbanked in the system we have now. Well, the decentralized blockchain-based system that doesn't need those central parties is opening up the doors for the needed. Now, that will change because I feel human nature will eventually kick in even in, in a decentralized economy. Yeah. And the world that we all envisage will not happen because humans are imperfect. So that's what, what you're having now. And I think music is one of the areas that are easiest to disrupt in the space because intermediaries take too big of a cut yeah. and the, the space is very inefficient. What excites me the most is, I'll, I'll go back to the metaverse. Um, NFTs represent the atomic unit of the metaverse. They allow for the Web3 metaverse. They allow for that metaverse to exist because you need to own things for a real metaverse to have a real representation of the physical world. Where you, yeah. you, know, you got freedom. I can go and breathe the air right now. I can go on a walk on the street. You know, this is my freedom. I live in a free country in Dubai. You live in a freer country in the U.S., so that freedom is something we take for granted. That freedom doesn't exist on the web because all of it is centralized. You can't do anything you want. You get, get your account deleted because they own it. Right, right or wrong, that's the world we live in. Yep. So as it becomes decentralized, that's going to really be a representation of the physical world. And that's where the, the potential is crazy because if you think about the size of the U.S. economy, which is whatever, trillions of dollars, you can have a digital representation of that whole economy, of that whole world, of that whole planet of Earth, which is, I don't know, what's the value of Earth? Value, uh, <laughs> total, total economy, total economy size of, yeah. of the world, of the world. Let's see. So the, the size of the, the global GDP in 2020 was $85 trillion. Now we're 2022. Yeah. So $100 trillion. Imagine, $100 trillion. So now we're going to have a digital representation of that world, of that entire world, of almost everything except going to the toilet and, and you know, uh, producing babies and eating, except those three, th three things. And of course, being born and dying, your conscious is in the physical world, but that conscious is moving more and more to the digital world. It's going to open up an incredible economy, something that's going to be a bit scary to imagine. 
but something that's already VCs are flooding the space. It's, and, it's, you know, yeah, it's it's going to happen whether or not we want it to happen. Yes, yeah. and if it scares you, I don't think it should. Um, and if it still does, and it's not a place you will be, um, you don't have to enter it. But humans tend to go towards what makes life easier and more enjoyable. Not always a good thing. You know, McDonald's is a good example. Not always a good thing, <laughs> but generally it's a good thing. And that's yeah. why with the, work, the you know, life we have it today is much better than what we had 500 years ago. Yeah, oh, I love that, man. So do you think, is there, so to get involved, and this is a lot of what you uh, do at NFT Tech, I'm assuming, to get involved, what is, you know, what are some of the best steps that somebody can take who's interested in getting involved, investing, um, you know, I, I do suggest everybody check out NFT tech and, and learn more about what Mario does, but talk, talk to me through that. Like if somebody does want to get involved. Yeah. So I get people, you know, I, I told you I dance every time I go dance somewhere, you got all these dancers coming to me, Mario, is you it, know, how can salsa? I buy NFTs? Is it merengue? What is it? Bachata, man. Bachata. I dance there bachata. I, I nice. love bachata. Um, so I, I literally travel every, every month, twice a month. Um, I travel to different festivals and artists to dance. I love it. That's but awesome. anyway, so. In those festivals, I get asked all the time when they find out I'm in the NFT space, Mario, how do I invest in NFTs? I want to buy NFTs. In most cases, I tell them, don't even, like, just don't. Like, I why, get people, I tell me, because, like, I had one dancer come to me and tell me, Mario, I want to buy those monkeys. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, the board apes, they're, they're, I think they're overhyped. I think the price, I, I love them. I, I'm going to buy them because I think they, they got a lot of value in, in what they represent as a signal of wealth and as a community. But I think they're way too overhyped. You know, the human brain overestimates, as I yep. said earlier. So, but they're like, no, I found one for $4,000. I'm like, okay, you have no idea what NFTs are. I'm not going to even explain why this $4,000 ape that someone created or that $400 ape is not the same as the Board Apes Yacht Club. So I'm not going to even explain what NFTs are. You're too early in the space. I recommend either stay out and learn or buy the blue chips. Now, there's no index fund for NFTs. You can't buy. Now, we're trying to do this with NFT tech. So with NFT tech, it's going to be listed on the market. So retail investors could just buy shares in NFT tech. That's the end yeah. goal. And then we buy those assets because we understand the space. We go to the right metaverses. We buy all these things. And then anyone that buys our shares gets exposure. So that's our strategy. There's going to be index funds later that do this. And most people understand what index funds are. But now if you really want to get into the space, number one, educate yourself and go deep into it. Why? Because people that are educated, they find out about things way before. Like I, everyone asks me, which coins do you hold? Most of the coins, which coins do you invest in? I buy nothing listed on the market. Nothing. Buy, everything buy, I, buy I buy nothing that you can actually get access to, unfortunately. I promise you, it's so, like, everything is private. It's called IDOs, private sales. Or, or in NFTs, it's called pre-mints. So before something mints, you get white listed and you mint in advance. So that's where we come in, like, very private. And then the people that come in later are usually people that, poor people that get dumped on every single time because they come in too late thinking it's going to keep going up. So I tell the retail investor, educate yourself, don't invest. It's unless unless you do. I've got what they called. Um, what's that concept where you invest? You know, a set amount every week, no matter what happens. Dollar cost oh, averaging. Uh, uh, like dollar cost dollar, averaging. Yeah, dollar cost averaging is essentially the, the, you invest a set amount every week, no matter what happens to the markets for let's say a year or two years time. Every week you put in a hundred bucks, a hundred bucks every single week, and eventually you'll 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 put in you know ten thousand dollars over two years. So that's yeah. a better way of doing it because then you won't fall trapped to human emotions of FOMO and, um, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, selling based on fear. I love this. So you think, you think that the average day-to-day -day person should not get into the NFT space, at least for right now, until they can, they can do it intelligently through, 
unless uh, un, unless there's an index fund or someone doing what we're doing. So unless something gives you exposure, but someone you trust, um, where, I think where, we started. Where would you think people should go to get educated on crypto and NFTs? Good question. So don't ignore all these fucking, sorry for cursing, ignore all these freaking influencers. The, the, the podcast is called Shit You Don't Learn in College. You can say whatever. Oh, okay, okay. Here, ignore those fucking influencers. Most of them, not all of them. So yeah. uh, there's a lot that deserve the respect, but so many of them just shill anything you pay them. And I know that because one of my companies, IBC, the company I founded, they pay those influencers to promote projects. We had a project with 200 influencers promoting it. These influencers promote any project they get a piece of. They don't care if it pumps or dumps. Not all of them, most of them. So don't risk yeah. listening to an influencer. There's, um, there's, we have a new, if you, I think if you go to nfttech.com, I think at the bottom there's a newsletter. You can put your email, you get a newsletter. I think, but I'm not sure. The first newsletter you get is a few sources of where you could learn. So that's the first place. Second, you know, you can tell who talks shit and who doesn't. Anyone that hypes up shit and promotes something, ignore them. Anyone and, and doesn't say that they're invested or discloses what they should, you know, the fiduciary yeah. duties to disclose if you're invested in something. Or, you know, looking at VCs or other investors like me and like NFT Tech, learning from those is probably the wiser choice. Um, and there's a few accounts and stuff. Go on my account on Twitter and see who I follow. That's a good guide. I follow these people. Objective analytical, um, non-biased people not I trying to make a quick something, buck. something to echo as well is a lot of this, for anybody listening, a lot of these conversations are on Twitter. Um, so I think that's a good place to start is get on Twitter, follow Mario. We'll, we'll make sure Mario, if you could send us, uh, or I'll get it from you at the end of this, your Twitter handle, we'll make sure to share it with everybody as well. Um, but I think that's really important is following the people that you can kind of trust. And they're probably following other people that they trust. And the worst thing you could do is following the wrong person. I used to be on Clubhouse. I used to, I, I still probably gonna get back to it. But yeah. I used to be really big on Clubhouse. I used to have 10,000 people listening to me a day, seven days a week, celebrities popping in every day. I used to have the biggest room. So I knew Clubhouse really well. I spent hours on it every day at the peak. And Clubhouse was the perfect example of people talking shit in echo chambers. Yeah. Listening to the, and I would call out a lot of these people and I would get in trouble for it because everyone, everyone thought suddenly a genius and a guru giving out advice and, and charging for it. Be careful who you listen to. If they charge for it, it doesn't mean they're bad. it's bad. But be careful who you listen to because the worst thing you could do is listening to someone who, ha who's, who has too big of an ego because they won't admit if they're wrong or is not self-conscious, meaning they don't know what they don't know. Oh, I love that, man. Dude, we could, we could keep talking about NFTs and crypto for a while. I think, I, I think um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of push everybody to NFT tech. Uh, for more and to your Twitter to to follow you and get more information on that. But I do have a couple of questions for you as a person, because I'm always interested in, you know, just successful people, how they got to this point. You mentioned, you know, probably uh, one of your things that I'm assuming, you know, you've done very well is get out of your comfort zone constantly. Like Tim Ferriss said, you know, uh, you can measure your success by getting out of your comfort zone. Is there anything that you've done specifically over over the years that you think is something very different than what most people do that's allowed you to be successful. It's exactly that, man. Listen to this. Yeah. It's, I used to live alone for most of my life. Now, I, I'm not a person that likes friends. I've been antisocial you know, since I was a very young kid, uh, since I migrated to Australia. Very antisocial and, and lived that life since. Very independent, secluded, you know, kind of a, what's that, animal? Um, not a puma, a uh, leopard. I think it's a yeah. leopard. Like, very solitary. So 
leopard is a sexy example, but mine wasn't that. That's <laughs> 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 the best example. But yeah, so I used to be very, uh, live very simple life. Now, you know, where I'm living now, I've got eight bedrooms and, and I've got my business partner here. His employees are here. My team members and business partners. Like, it's full, always full. I had dancers that come and stay. I've got life in my house all the time. Change, and I, I was doing this for the last two years, but renting a villa and yeah. have, filling it up with people, 12 so bedrooms. You, you did that purposefully. Complete, purposefully to get myself outside my comfort zone. Yeah. I used yeah. to hate dancing. I dance every day now. I used to, I used to have imposter syndrome. Now I speak on stage around the world and I, I do podcasts yeah. every day, almost every day, and I run clubhouse rooms, etc. Um, I would never, I would be very private. Three years ago before I got scammed, you know, I lost, IBC lost a lot of money when I got scammed in 2018. Four years ago, um, I, uh, I used to be very private. If you Google me, you find nothing. Yeah. You know, if you go Mario Nofall on Google now, there's a, whole, a lot of crap about my business life and my, my dancing life. I used to do a vlog, which I removed it all now because, you know, uh, we're looking at going public and I have to be careful what I put out there. But uh, I used to have, every, like my life would be all filmed. Um, before that, I used to be very private. Now, why am I telling everyone this? Discomfort is a great, great way to evolve in life. Doesn't mean you have to do it. If you're comfortable being comfortable, sure. But if you've got grand ambitions, push yourself outside your comfort zone. When you something's hard something, to do. If you want something different than what you have now, you have to get uncomfortable. And I used to go extreme. Like when I get too comfortable, I literally pack my bags and go to a new country. I've been on the move for seven years. This now in Dubai, this is the first time I rent a place for 12 months. I rented this place for 12 months. I could buy it because I love it so much here. But I've never rented a place for more than 12 months or for more than, let's say, three, four, five, five months because of COVID, more than five months in like seven years since I left Australia. I, so I I've always that, been yeah. on the move. And You're, I've been everywhere. So get you guys are literally listening to to two introverted guys who never were met. Like I was, I was a, I was an engineer in high school. The nerdy kid, the small kid, never, you know, never good at that whole friend thing. And and so everybody who's listening to this is listening to two introverted guys that were antisocial talking on a podcast now to thousands and thousands of people listening. So <laughs> if that's not enough to to convince you, like if you're if you're in a position, whatever it is, jumping in a pool. Going dancing with a girl, asking a girl out, um, putting your hand up in class, stepping up on stage to speak, whatever it is, do it. A few months ago, I spoke on, like, I used to speak on Clubhouse to thousands of people, but when it came to a physical stage, the first time not long ago, I'm like, that feels, I'm actually nervous. I'm like, why? But like, it's the same, I used to speak to tens of thousands of people on Clubhouse, but I was nervous on a physical stage because people could see me and I could see them. But I pushed myself, I trained myself, I did it. It was so fucking easy. Now I do it. I could do it every day. Like I, I love doing it, but I yeah. pushed myself through it. And I've got these examples almost on a monthly basis. So um, that's I probably that's, my I best advice to everyone. Is you've, you've, you've made it a habit of getting uncomfortable consistently. And you notice as soon as you're not uncomfortable, you know that you're shrinking. So you go do something. I, I get uncomfortable every day. I go do gym and I've got a personal trainer every single day and he breaks me. I go yeah. cryotherapy, you know, the freezing room. I do it almost every yeah, I have, day. I have, a cold, I have a cold plunge downstairs. I jump into that thing every morning. So I feel you. Yeah. I go do cryotherapy every day for three minutes. So I'm already getting myself uncomfortable every day. And every time I do it, I'm hyped up and energetic as hell. Yeah. I love it, man. Mario, this has been fantastic. Where can people learn more about NFT tech and about you uh, to keep, keep following, keep getting more golden nuggets? Yeah, so if you if you if you want to learn about me and my crazy life, just Google Mario Nawful N A W F A L. But probably more value if you want to learn about the NFT space, 
just go nfttech.com, nfttech.com. Um, you know, we're putting out a lot of content, teaching people about the space. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's pretty freaking cool. I'm going to agree with you there. Everybody go uh, go follow, follow Mario, Google Mario, uh, and definitely get involved. Mario, thanks a ton. This has been absolutely phenomenal, man. Brother, appreciate it. All right, that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.